This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it and have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 237 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we continue our look at the folklore roots of the Walt Disney Company's various productions over the years. And this year we have a beautiful one, with it, which is the tale of Briar Rose, also known as The Sleeping Beauty. But first, I cannot tell you how glorious it is to be recording the podcast again. Uh, folks who listen week to week will know that it has been some time again since I've recorded an episode of Fireside, um, which was not at all planned and very much not wished. Um, I've realized in the last couple of months um, that I have suffered severe and extreme physical and mental um, uh, burnout and what I those who have really experienced burnout will know that it actually lasts a lot longer than you realize initially it isn't something that can simply um, just be taken a week off from um, which has come from various reasons um, from personal struggles I've had mentally but also from a huge uh, massive workload that I've had over the last 12 months um, besides the podcast uh, I've been doing and playing an awful lot of music and uh, writing a book as well um, which is now finally nearing completion nearing its completion of its 10th draft which will be sent off again now it was finished uh, about six months ago but I was given notes on a significant rewrite uh, which I'm now nearly completing uh, but it was never my intention to stop doing Fireside. It just um, it just happened. and But it has never been far from my thoughts. And it has always been a niggling thing. That is the one thing I haven't even got to enjoy a break from it. Because it wasn't intentional. It just was always in the back of my mind. That I was trying to get around to it. Getting around to the time to write and record. Being sufficient enough voice for it. Um, and that went on longer than anticipated. Uh, but the book needed to well I needed to rest first and foremost Um, I'm currently recording this song from a cottage down in Longford uh, where I've retreated to uh, a writing sanctuary of sorts a cottage on my own just to get my head back in the game at the start of this year and to finish off the book and now finally with the book nearing completion with its edits I can finally get back to Fireside and I will be catching up now. Uh, there will be more of an output. I don't promise too much. I think I promised too much last time. I recorded about 10 episodes in, in a month. Um, 
to try and catch up from the episodes lost beforehand. I still do intend to catch up to because my goal is to get to 300 episodes by the end of year three. Uh, so that will be the case. Um, but I will start slowly and try and build up to two episodes a week going forward. This is all a long-winded thing for anyone who's uh, just listened to the last episode, and this one might have come straight out, may have come straight out. But for those who have been waiting, and I do appreciate immensely those who have messaged me uh, asking when Fireside will return, it means a huge deal to me uh, that there are folks out there still listening uh, this long into the podcast's history. Uh, so thank you, thank you. Those messages were received and very, very much appreciated. And I'm back, and I hope you are here for the journey as well. Uh, thank you for those who continue to buy my book as well, Garden Sea, um, my poetry book. Uh, I sent off a few more collections of that in the last couple of weeks around the world. Um, some of those were delayed in being sent off, so I apologize for that, but they are off to their new homes now. And thank you so much for buying them, and I hope you enjoy them. Anyone who else wants to buy my book can do so at the Headstuff website, um, uh, where it can be shipped all around the world in paperback or available instantly via the Headstuff or via Kindle on Amazon. And the other ways you can support this podcast are, of course, by sharing the good name of Fireside uh, with your friends or on your Instagram uh, or by supporting me directly at Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month, you can gain access not just to Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. That's everything out of the way, but now down to the story. Uh, so this is the tale of Sleeping Beauty, which surprise which may surprise people is actually only the third princess story that disney did which came out its movie adaptation came out in 1959 and this story has french origins and it also has german origins it is a french story originally um but a lot of what we would know from the version of sleeping beauty we would read in books or in the movie, or in pantos, even if you're in Ireland or the UK, comes from the German folktale version of this story. Uh, it picks and chooses little bits from its adaptations, as I have as well, uh, to try and write my own version of this. Uh, but we will, of course, chat more about it again after the story, but it's been so long and I'm just dying to get down to telling it. So here is the story of Briar Rose, The Sleeping Beauty on Fireside. <laughs> Briar Rose, The Sleeping Beauty There was once a king and queen who longed for nothing more than to have a child. When no child came naturally, the royal couple tried every medicine, science, and superstition available, but no pregnancy came. When they had all but given up, the queen sat in the gardens of the castle and out of a pond jumped a frog, who said, In nine months you will give birth to a beautiful baby girl. And he hopped away. The queen did not know what to make of this encounter. Had she imagined it? Dreamed it? Had she finally gone mad with longing? No. A few months went by, and the doctors told the queen she was finally pregnant. Nine months after the frog had made his prophecy, the queen gave birth to their long-awaited daughter. 
The new princess had been so long wanted, the king and queen held a banquet feast in their daughter's honor. Invited were the thirteen wise women of the kingdom. Unfortunately, the king was informed that they were one place at table short. Just one. One less plate, goblet, knife, fork, and even chair. It is a strange thing for royalty to be informed of something they cannot have, especially something as trivial as a place at a table. Oh well, said the king, I suppose one of the wise women will have to stay at home. The first twelve of the wise women gleefully arrived at the castle, and each bestowed a blessing on the princess. One gave her courage, one gave her beauty, another gave her patience, another compassion, another intelligence. Just about all of the attributes and characteristics a person could desire were given to the little princess. Just after the eleventh wise woman gave the little girl the gift of hope, there came a thunderous bang on the castle door. The guards opened to reveal the thirteenth wise woman. She was not best pleased at having been refused a seat at the banquet. So a king and a queen who live in a castle didn't have one more seat for little old me, eh? Well, don't get too used to your little brat. My gift is that on her fifteenth birthday, the princess will prick her finger on a spinning wheel and die. Before the guards could seize the unwelcome intruder, the thirteenth wise woman disappeared. The twelfth wise woman had yet to bestow her gift on the princess. She said, I cannot undo the gift of one of my sisters, but I can alter it. Your child will not die, but she will fall into a deep sleep. A sleep so deep that all will think her dead. A sleep that will last a hundred years. The little princess grew up in the safety of the castle, and all of the gifts of the wise women came true. The princess was kind, smart, brave, caring, and beautiful. She was the darling of the entire kingdom. But her parents had not forgotten about the gift of the thirteenth wise woman, and had all of the spinning wheels in the kingdom destroyed. This made the spinning of yarn impossible, and the textile industry suffered immeasurably. But the princess remained safe. But a byproduct of her courage and intelligence was the princess had a great curiosity. And on the eve before her fifteenth birthday, the king and queen had to leave the castle. The princess took the opportunity to roam every inch of her home, to all of the rooms and corners she had never visited. She came across an old dusty staircase and climbed the stoned, cobwebbed steps up to a tall tower. At the top, the princess found an ancient wooden door with a rusty key begging to be turned. She did so, and entered the room. Inside the tower, the princess found an old woman sitting by a device she had never seen in her life. It was a wooden wheel, fastened to a mount that looked to be eating thread. What is that? 
the princess asked. Why, this, my dear, is a spinning wheel. And what does it do? It is how we make beautiful dresses. Oh, I would love to learn how to make dresses. Will you show me? Of course, my child. Sit down. The princess sat up at the spinning wheel, and the old woman guided her hand towards the needle. Just put your hand here. A moment later, the princess fell on the ground asleep. The old woman carried the princess to a bed she had prepared. There, said the thirteenth wise woman, that bed is more than you deserve. You have a nice long rest. Her revenge taken, the wise woman left the tower and the kingdom. The princess fell into such a deep slumber that it was not only her who fell asleep, but everyone and everything in the castle. The king and queen had just returned for their daughter's birthday, and they collapsed asleep at the castle gates. As did the guards and their horses, the kitchen staff, the servants. Milk halted mid-pour, fires froze mid-burn, pigeons overhead froze once over the castle walls. Many of the villagers of the kingdom wondered what had become of the king and queen and everyone in the castle. But some remembered the birth of the princess and the gifts of the wise woman. This is because the princess is asleep. There is a flower within those thorns, a briar rose asleep in the tower. Briar rose, that was what they all came to call her. And one day she will be rescued, and all of the castle will awake. The legend of Briar Rose grew with the thorns on the castle walls, and many men over the years attempted to rescue her by cutting through the briars and climbing the tower. But every man got caught in the hedge and stabbed by the thorns, and soon the briars ran red with blood. The bodies of the prospective rescuers remained lodged in the hedge for all to see, warning wannabe heroes away. With time, the story faded, and soon the hedge was so massive, people forgot or refused to believe that there was a castle in there after all, much less a sleeping princess. Many, many years later, a prince from another kingdom was visiting and stayed the night in a local tavern. He did not identify himself to anyone as royalty, and he got chatting to an old man telling stories by the fireside. The old man told the prince the tale of Briar Rose, of all the heroes who had died trying to rescue her. The prince became determined that he would be the one to free the princess. Don't be a fool, said the old man. You'll become nothing more than a feast for crows, with only the skeletons of other fools like you for company. But the prince took no notice. This was just the kind of adventure the prince had been looking for. As it happened, the next day was the 100th anniversary of the princess pricking her finger on the spinning wheel. But of course, the prince didn't know that. He suited up and approached the terrifying hedge, except the hedge did not seem at all as terrifying as the old man had led the prince to believe. Certainly there were many, many, many thorns, 
but from those thorns had blossomed thousands of roses, roses from the briar. The prince unsheathed his sword and set about hacking the briars away, but the hedge seemed to recede before him, withering with each step. The prince made his way through the castle, up the stairs, into the tallest tower. He entered the room, and there in bed was the sleeping beauty. She still did not look a day over fifteen. She had been frozen in time. As soon as the prince entered the room, the princess awoke and sat up in bed. She looked into the eyes of the prince. His hair, his clothing, everything was different. The princess knew then that she had been asleep for a very long time. But the moment Briar Rose awoke, so did the rest of the kingdom. The king and queen stood up at the castle gates, as did the guards and their horses, the kitchen staff and servants, the milk flowed, the fire burned, and the pigeons continued their flight, all blissfully unaware that they had been asleep for a century. The king and queen rushed to the top of the tower to celebrate what they didn't realize was their daughter's 115th birthday. And there they were surprised to find the prince. The prince told them the story as it had been told to him by the old man at the fireside. This time, the prince himself was in the story. The king, queen, and Briar Rose all left the castle walls, and entire generations had passed outside. The homes and people were different, the trees taller and thicker. It took a long time to cut the last of the briars from the castle, and once they were, Briar Rose and the prince were married, and they gave birth to a daughter, they named Aurora, after the goddess of the dawn. The End I'm delighted to announce that Headstuff, the home of Fireside, is celebrating its 10th anniversary uh, which is absolutely an incredible milestone for Ireland's podcast network. Um, I would not be the writer and performer I am today without the opportunity given to me by Paddy and Alan at Headstuff five years ago. I'm so proud to have been a part of the Headstuff family for over five years now. Uh, and in celebration, uh, Headstuff are giving a 14-day free trial to Headstuff Plus. So if you've been interested in Headstuff Plus and haven't checked it out yet and want to give it a try and see what you can gain access for bonus material for Fireside and for all of the Podcast Network um podcasts as well as uh, discounts on merchandise and uh, early access tickets to our live shows you can check all that out now and see if you want to join the Headstuff Plus family but to hear a little bit more about that here's Connor Get ready to celebrate with us as Headstuff hits a remarkable milestone That's right, it's our 10 year anniversary and we want to celebrate with you to mark this special occasion, we're rolling out the red carpet with exciting surprises. For a limited time only, you can subscribe to Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com and enjoy a 14-day free trial to access ad-free bonus content from all the shows on the network. And if you're already a member, you'll get 20% off all merch from your favourite shows. 
Thank you for 10 years of support from all the team at Headstuff. And there we have the tale of Briar Rose, the Sleeping Beauty on Fireside. And I'm so glad that uh, to come back with an episode like this, because, of course, I had been planning on doing a series. I had started a series on Irish on uh, Disney movie adaptations going in a sort of chronological order. And I had only completed Snow White and Cinderella by the time of the burnout really taking hold. Um, but I'm sticking to the plan that I had. Um, and the next one on the list was Briar Rose. And it was a great story to come back with because it is such a wonderful and classic folktale. But those familiar with the movie, um, which I rewatched uh, when adapting this, is um, which was considered at the time, certainly by Disney, as his masterpiece. Uh, if you haven't seen it in a while or, or haven't watched it at all, do check it out uh, because it is visually breathtaking. Every frame is a painting, and that was very much how the the animators were told to treat it um using using inspiration from stained glass to like these massive landscapes it's an astonishing accomplishment for 1959 it looks better than movies before it and movies for a long time after it because the sleeping beauty adaptation did nearly bankrupt the studio um but it was considered Walt Disney's great accomplishment in um in animation and it also in uh, in a more subtle way and it's not really uh, given its dues for this and I got this from the unshaved mouse a blog that I've followed for years that I've recommended in the previous um, the previous uh, Disney adaptations which I highly recommend a guy who goes through each of the canon and order with reviews it's really funny really informative uh, but he makes an argument of the feminism within Sleeping Beauty, which is not a word you usually associate with fairy tales. They are rightly often criticized um, for the passive roles uh, that women typically have within them. Sleeping Beauty being a, a main culprit of this because she spends pretty much the entire story asleep. Um, but the Sleeping Beauty movie adaptation uh, has an astonishing number of na named female characters who drive the plot forward almost exclusively, um, which is particularly impressive for 1959, um, which are the three fairies. Um, so to compare with the folktale, so in the original story, we have these 13 wise women. Uh, we have the 12 good ones, and then we have the one bad one, who is, the, of course, the... Triskaidekaphobic, 13th wise woman. But in the in the movie adaptation, we have four. We have the three good fairies. We have Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather. And we have the mistress of all evil, the bad, the bad one herself, Maleficent, who set the benchmark for all Disney villains to follow afterwards. And she has never really been equaled. Um so the that's the first thing in terms of adaptation, which makes sense to reduce from 13 to 4, from 12 good ones and one bad one to 3, uh, to three protagonists and one villain. Uh, and Flora, Fauna and Merryweather, we very much do get to spend a lot of time with uh, versus in the story where we just meet them at the beginning when they're bestowing their gifts. They drive the plot a huge amount and Maleficent serves as a very primary antagonist, whereas in... 
the original story, Maleficent or the 13th Wise Woman disappears after concocting her plan entirely. And then, of course, we have these hundred years, this wonderful image of the hundred years of time passing and the briar roses growing, or the briars growing all around the castle and the entire kingdom forgetting that it's an incredible image to think of a castle becoming so overgrown that people can't see and don't even believe there is a castle within the walls. And then we have the introduction of the prince, who in the movie is known as Philip, uh, with Briar Rose being known as Aurora. And the film also makes another change, which works for adaptation, which gives Aurora and Philip a prior relationship to him going to rescue her, rather than the destiny that he has more so in the story it's it's almost like the prince in the story is is a cog in the in the, a microcosmic cog in the catastrophic plan of the 12th wise woman when she predicted that the princess would be asleep for 100 years he is fated to to rescue briar rose and the briars fall apart before him as he walks by all the skeletons and corpses of previous people who had tried but he doesn't get a, a final fight with Maleficent, which is wonderful in the movie as she transforms into a dragon. And then when he goes in and he to up to the tallest tower, it's always the top of the tallest tower, and he meets Briar Rose, we have another thing that uh, the folktales are often criticized for, but this is more of a Disney invention, which is true love's first kiss they're actually in my research so far there is very little evidence of true love's first kiss in folklore because you could you know naturally make the argument that uh, the kissing of a sleeping woman is not an appropriate thing to do and it's astonishing for a 19th century folk tale that the princess awakes when the prince enters the room it isn't true love's first kiss that undoes this spell he just goes in and that breaks the spell that's enough that's fine so may i argue it's not as romantic but i personally prefer it and then the spell is undone and the entire kingdom goes back to normal what is now aurora's 115th birthday and um never mind kissing a sleeping woman you're kissing a sleeping girl and once the briars are swept away, she, they, the two are then finally married. And this is a nice addition. They name their, in some version of the story, they name their daughter Aurora, who was the goddess of the dawn, which is the name given to the princess in the Disney movie. The Disney movie took a lot of adaptation from a ballet version of Sleeping Beauty as well, which I believe is where the name Aurora came from for the princess herself. Uh, you'll see that in the title cards, they say based on the Charles Perrault novel and the, the ballet. Um, and it is an incredible film, but I do think that there will, I think I'd be open to saying that there are some Disney adaptations that I think improve on the source material, but they are very much different mediums as well. And the narrative Joseph Campbell's structure that has uh, become so commonplace in Hollywood in the last 50, 60 years uh, is very much on display in terms of what's needed to structure a story. Uh, but a folktale doesn't need to operate by those rules a lot of the time. It is just once and we're off, as Philip Pullman says. But I love the amount of uh, detail in this story in terms of 
it's almost as much about the set piece as it is about the characters and and about how legends grow and that that something huge can happen in a time it's hard to imagine now when everything is recorded but that such a cataclysmic event could occur as a curse freezing everyone in a castle and briars growing all around the castle but if nothing is done about it nothing can be done about it and many people die trying to undo it with enough time passing in this case a hundred years people will just forget and that is how that is how history passes into legend and legend becomes folklore and mythology and so it's there's almost a, a meta angle to this story with it's not just a tale of this sleeping princess, but a story about how tales grow and become folklore. And that seems like a, an excellent story to begin Fireside, a new chapter of Fireside with again. So again, thank you so much. And my sincerest apologies for anyone who's been waiting for Fireside over the past couple of months. Uh, rest assured, it was not intentional. It was never far from my thoughts. And I feel so, so happy um, and at ease now to be back I will um, make them up to you, I promise. Um, the next story I'm going to do is The Frog Prince, uh, followed by Rapunzel, both of which have already been written, and um, and they will be uh, delivered next week or over the weekend, um, and we will aim to get two a week until we catch back up to where we should be. So thank you so much for your continued support, and you're very welcome if you're a new listener. All of the stuff about my burnout will make no sense to you then, but you are very, very welcome. So all the usual ways you can support the podcast, follow me over on Instagram, uh, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com, uh, buy my book Garden Sea, A Neomyth of Home on the Headstuff website, support Headstuff Plus, celebrating their 10th anniversary with a two-week free trial for Headstuff Plus if you want to check it out. Uh, I'll see you all, you'll hear me all next time, and remember wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside, feels so good to be saying that again. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.